Hey, it's Amy, and you're listening to Saving Amy, a podcast about a woman rewriting her narrative, creating her own version of happiness, and sharing exactly how she gets there. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode is going to be all about the first 30 days. And I mean that as in the first 30 days, Psalms, alcoholic beverages. I'm going to start with a prelude. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, and no one really knows, really, I stopped drinking for good shortly after Christmas of 2021. So I do think that I had mentioned that in an earlier episode, nothing bad happened. I didn't hit another seemingly never-ending version of rock bottom. I did help myself to a few alcoholic beverages over the holiday. I think the most that I drank in one day was about three beer. And for me, that is incredibly tame. I'm a pretty small woman. And over the years, my alcohol tolerance only increased. But I was also getting more messed up. After I'd passed the point of no return or a blackout, one could say. For me, my drinking was almost like Russian roulette. It could go either way. I could have a great time or I could have a very, very bad time. And you know what? In the past, I could never actually imagine drinking alone. I literally used to think that those type of people were so pathetic. But here I was on New Year's Eve, ringing in the new year, alone, in my bathtub, next to an ice-cold Michelob Ultra. I can taste it now. I didn't wake up the next morning with regret. I just knew what I had to do. So I did it. It wasn't a resolution or anything like that. I had just made the decision and that was final. So let's backtrack a little bit. Before Christmas, I had seen my psychiatrist and mentioned to her my thoughts about alcohol and just questioning my relationship with it and what role it had in my life. So she instructed me to think on it in between sessions and at our next meeting to let her know what I thought and what the outcome was. So that's exactly what I did. I had to do some serious inner work, which is never going to stop. I really think, you know, when you stop working on yourself, you're never going to be a winner. I recognize some bridges I had burned were meant to be burned into ash and stay there for the remainder of eternity, never to be rebuilt again. But the thing is, I had been ruining relationships with people I had no intention of ever doing. And the reason for that was my drinking. Not because I couldn't get my shit together. The truth is I wasn't dealing with any of my shit because I used drinking to cope with any negative or stressful emotion. And I had been doing that for so long, I really had no idea of the magnitude of the harm I was doing to myself and other people. Drinking reduces stress, right? Wrong! It increases stress, and don't even try to fight me. I came to the conclusion that moderation was something I could never do again when it came to drinking. Mind you, I could easily just have one. But for me personally, making the decision to live alcohol-free took all that anxiety away. The answer would always be no from now on, no matter what the circumstance. 
And surprisingly enough, I felt lighter after I made that decision. In the past, while I still validated my drinking, you know, I did have periods where I would stop. I created little rules for myself. In hindsight, my friends, if you have to create rules around your drinking, you should not be drinking. And I say that with compassion and a really kind heart. And I also realized that this whole back and forth I had with myself, you know, contemplating whether or not I should choose moderation was also a red flag. Because guess what? People who have a healthy relationship with alcohol don't ever think about moderating. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head when I came to that realization. So prelude is over. The first 30 days. So they say that the first 30 days are the hardest. And if you can get through those first 30, you'll be golden. I don't really think that's true. Uh, you know, way more than 30 days have passed and sometimes I wish I could have a drink. I thought about that earlier the week when I had my little kerfuffle in the morning and forgot my coffee. I actually said to myself in the car while I was driving and I did laugh. I was like, eh, I, I would love to have a drink right now. I knew how ridiculous it was and I knew I wasn't going to drink, but I had to be honest with myself. So you're probably picturing something wild, like me having the shakes, which is a very common withdrawal symptom of alcohol. You know, white knuckling it through every single day, just salivating for an ice cold beer that would erase all my stress. But that is not at all what my first 30 days look like. I don't actually think I was ever physically addicted to alcohol because I didn't have any physical withdrawal symptoms, like the shakes. My sleep was probably affected a little bit, but you know, that's gotten a lot better for sure. One thing that I've used a few times has been the warm line service. So I'm going to tell you guys about that. So I did use the warm line service a few times, but it didn't really have much to do with alcohol. My life was turned completely upside down in January. I had no one to turn to and I needed reassurance that I was not in the midst of a mental breakdown, which I was very much led to believe by some people who had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. Guys, you don't get to make assumptions on someone else's mental status. You do not. End of. That's where I'm going to leave that. So I, and I need reassurance that I was indeed doing everything that was best for me. One of the most terrifying feelings I've ever felt was not being believed by the people who I had been closest to. I was scared. And I'm not making any sort of joke out of this. I'm completely serious. So the number for the warm line is one. 855-753-2560, and I'm going to add that down in the episode description. The main reason why I love this service so much is because you get to talk to a person who has struggled with their own mental health, so they can relate to you. It's not a crisis line, but it's a perfect resource if, say, you know, you've had a really shit day, and you just need to vent to someone about it. For me personally, I have used the warm line for a variety of reasons, including... Uh, feeling guilt and shame about my last attempt, how to navigate setting proper boundaries, and for reassurance, again, that I'm making the right choices. So one day, I think I actually asked the girl that I had been talking to, her name was Miranda. One day I had said, you know, have you ever lost people when you really started improving your life? And she couldn't relate to me more. So we shared our stories, and in about 30 minutes, I felt comfortable enough to get off the phone and carry on with the rest of my evening without any stress and without any alcohol. 
I had been waiting for a moment that would test my drinking, one could say. And one morning that moment came. My mom had been very ill, and she was told she was going to need surgery. And I found out that her initial appointment with the surgeon had been the week prior, and she had missed it because we were never notified of the appointment. I was completely irate, and looking back on this whole situation, I'm realizing that that my emotions, you know, were on high alert because my brain and body were still in the early stages of no more alcohol, and I started to cry in the waiting room of Tommy's auto body waiting for my car. I looked at my phone, and it was 8.26 a.m., and all I wanted to do was drink. So what did I do? I told my mom. And by me being completely transparent and honest, we were able to have a very incredible conversation. She thanked me for being so honest and open. And she admitted to me that even though she quit smoking 11 years ago, sometimes she still craves it. And in that moment, myself and my mother connected on a deeper level that I didn't even think was possible. She could relate to me. She didn't have a problem with alcohol, but she had struggled with addiction. And this story ends well. So I called the secretary and I wasn't mean, but I was very stern and assertive. That's something that I've struggled very much with my entire life. I was able to advocate for my mom and get her an appointment the very next day. And that's something I gotta say I'm incredibly proud of. And somehow, My urge to drink slowly died down over the course of the day, which I thought was very interesting. So I knew that socializing sober was on the docket next. So far, I've only socialized, you know, for in one-on-one settings because I'm still trying not to get the COVID. But each interaction has went swimmingly so far. Sometimes my decision about becoming a non-drinker would even open up a conversational piece about alcohol in general. I left each social interaction like I left that person with something to think about, to pay attention to. Listen, listen, we celebrate to drink, to make something happen out of nothing. But why? If we were all doing cocaine and Molly to celebrate and make something happen out of nothing, I feel like we would all look at ourselves and recognize there is no doubt about it. There's a problem here. But for some reason, alcohol always gets the get-out-of-jail-free card. It's almost, what's the word am I looking for? Luxurious? You see it in the movies. You know, some guy comes home after a long day, or even a woman, whoever. They don't even have their shoes off. And they're just reaching for a drink because they've had such a stressful day, right? I'm sure if they came in and just snorted a line of cocaine... Would we see the romantic, luxurious appeal about it? I have a very funny feeling, no. <laughs> so why don't we look at her drugs this way, you guys? It's, a, it's an honest question, but I digress. So somehow, in some way, I started having all these free hours in my day. <laughs> and instead of turning to weed like I always have, I noticed that my marijuana use was not increasing since I stopped drinking, and I didn't really understand. Instead, I was doing word puzzles and reading books and cooking for myself. And I don't mean as in the old eating disorder-fueled cooking, Amy. 
that would only eat certain things. I was actually cooking myself filling, nutritious meals that were comforting. And somehow the rule that I always had of, I can't have certain foods in the house because I'll just binge on them, disappeared too. Right now, there's a pint of Ben and Jerry's just sitting in my freezer, and it's been there for days. And I've realized that it's because I'm finally eating enough food. In the past, I will admit, I would sometimes drink and just not eat. (laughs) Then it'd be too late to cook, and I'd just fall asleep. And when you're eating enough food, your body just knows what to do. I started romanticizing the shit out of my life. My cup of coffee in the morning, pure magic. Listening to really calm playlists as I get ready to start my workday, I have never heard anything more glorious. My lunchtime walks became something of a joke among myself and coworkers. I always say, I'm going on a stupid walk for my stupid mental health. <laughs> and I take in every cool breath and smell the crisp air, and by God, And by God, I've been getting some exposure therapy for my bird phobia at the same time. I get to read in the early hours of the weekend morning and enjoy alone time with my cat. I never have to nurse a hangover ever again. I started seeing my family again as well because I want to talk to them about my life finally. And do you want to know something really sad? I had been so disconnected from my family for so long, I had reached out to one of my uncles on Facebook to go see him for a visit, and he did not respond to me initially. He thought my account was hacked. (laughs) I had to write him the next day and say, hi, it's really me, and I'm not hacked. So there you have it. My first 30 days alcohol-free was just that, 30 days alcohol-free. Nothing monumental or revolutionary happened. And, you know, I decided not to tell anyone other than my mom and someone else really close to me at that time when I made the decision that I was going to stop drinking. I was worried if I said the words out loud, I would fail. But, you know what? I hold all the power. No one else does. And when I realize I really do have the power within me to never drink again, I think that's the day my life really did make something along the lines of a tectonic shift. I started attracting the right people and the right things that I had previously desired only in my dreams. And it all started with me and one decision. So here's me telling you it all starts with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Saving Amy. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to this podcast and rate it five stars. I will talk to you soon. Take care.